Did you know that 89% of veterans experiencing PTSD report one or more kinds of sexual dysfunction? No. And that survivors of childhood sexual abuse have a very common set of negative feelings and beliefs about sex. That's the bad news. But the good news is that your marriage can become a place to help heal trauma, even through what happens in your most intimate moments. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. So we have another interesting podcast for you this week. It's episode number 130, and today we're going to be talking about the impact of trauma on marital sexuality. And don't worry, this is fresh new content. It's not a repeat of last week. Hey there. Before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed the impact of trauma on on marriage. marriage. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. So if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, a blueprint of sorts for a successful marriage. And most of all, we offer you hope in Mm. today's topic too. So let's get into the topic of trauma and sexuality. We're recording this from Denver, North Carolina, inside a house for a change, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, staying like, with friends, just so people know. Staying with friends, yeah. yeah. Like last week, we're not trying to encourage anyone to make up something that isn't actually there. Like we're not trying to get you to see things in your marriage right. that aren't really yeah. there. But I believe that, as I said last week, that trauma is impacting more of our marriages than many of us realize. And one area that symptoms are particularly evident in is the area of sexuality. Okay. So trauma, you can see it more in sexuality than in other parts of marriage. Is that what you mean? Yeah. The symptoms can be more evident. Evident. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's like, as I mentioned in my start there, 89% of veterans experiencing PSD report one or more kinds of sexual dysfunction. Mm -hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I. As I said in the introduction. Let's talk about how how trauma impacts a wife's sexuality and then a husband's sexuality. Okay. And then um, how we can leverage our marriages to heal. Okay. So unfortunately, a common cause of trauma in women is childhood sexual abuse. And although that also happens to men, there is a very useful study from 2012 that specifically looks at the impact of childhood sexual abuse on women's sexuality. Okay. When they become an adult, right? So based on their review of the research, this study found that trauma impacts sexuality in the following ways. First, they stated that women with a history of childhood sexual abuse report more negative feelings about sex and experience less sexual satisfaction than do non-abused women. And okay. that's this study from 2012 is citing research by Leonard et al. from 2008 there. And I want to be clear, I'm saying this just to let you know that, hey, this is normal when this is part of a person's history. And I know that it's easy to put yourself in the damaged goods category when statements like this are made, but that's not what this is about. It's really helpful, I think, that when we've been through something profoundly difficult like trauma to know that we're not alone in our struggles. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that you'll hear from this if you're listening today. So finding out that this is a normal experience should normalize it so that you know you're not crazy. You're not the only person like this. Mm -hmm. The good news is that there's hope and recovery. So just stay with me here. But this first point is just that it's not uncommon to report 
negative feelings about sex and experience less sexual satisfaction if childhood sexual abuse has been part of your history. History. That's been, so that's one form of trauma, right? Yep. Makes sense. Next, forming intimate adult relationships is often difficult for survivors. And when relationships are formed, sexual and emotional fulfillment is often lacking. And this is a study, mm. Faring, Simon, and Cleland from 2009, again cited in this other study. Okay. So if you're listening today, you may be listening because you want more from your marriage, more from your relationship with your husband. And that's, that's great because these are normal experiences. And then again, research has found that the most common sexual difficulties in female survivors are disorders of desire, arousal, orgasm, and less often, dis- I should have practiced this, practiced this before. <laughs> I, got, I can't even say normal words now. Disarenu... Disarenia? Disarenia. Disarenia. I, I actually know. knew how to pronounce that at one point in time. That means painful sex. Okay. So that's a symptom that is less common, but still present. Okay. And then vaginismus, which is the, usually looks like an involuntary contraction of the vagina. So it's like he can't get his penis in or, oh, okay. or it's okay. really uncomfortable to have sex. Okay. So these are common issues that female trauma survivors face in the context of married sexuality. And you ask, well, so what, it has nothing to do with their marriage as such. Right. Like, and this is why I want to say these things. It's not, or the husband's wondering like, why can't I, can I get her warmed up? Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So the question is, well, what causes these? Well, one common underlying factor is often that survivors of sexual abuse have been found to have more negative self-schemas, which is ways of thinking about themselves than non-abused women. Okay. So you can imagine that in intimacy, you have these negative ways of thinking about yourself that are coming up and they're kind of the dominant stories that are in your head. Mm-hmm. It's going to have an effect, right? It doesn't matter how beautiful your husband thinks you are or how beautiful he tells you you are. If these... Mm negative ways of thinking about yourself are the main headlines, your husband's mm-hmm. opinion is not even going to make the front page. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Okay. So here's another quote from the research just to help us understand this. Meston and Hyman from 2000 found that sexually abused women were more likely to use negative terms to describe themselves and less likely to attribute positive meaning to sexual behavior. Hmm. So you can totally see how this perception impacts sexuality, right? And how that would easily touch desire, arousal, orgasm, and so on. If you're always thinking negative about yourself and even about sex in general. Yeah, feeling free to enjoy it. It would impact that too, right? You wouldn't feel free to enjoy it, you mean? Okay, okay. And here's an even more specific observation, again, quoting... Wenninger and Hyman 98 found that women with a history of childhood sexual abuse perceived their bodies as less sexually attractive than did non-abused women and reported feeling angry at or distant from their own bodies during sexual activity. Wow. So there I would see like old protective mechanisms now no longer needed, but they're kicking in and they're operating even though the new context of what's happening with your husband is actually safe and blessed by God and respectful and so on. They just can't get rid of these negative self-talk because they've learned these lessons under such profoundly disturbing circumstances. They're like deeply embedded. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it really becomes about these beliefs that inform how you see yourself and how you see sex as you explore and engage now in lovemaking. These things, they're, they're taking too much attention if I can put it that way. Now, so that's females. Now, how husband, how trauma impacts a husband's sexuality. So this study is a little different, not looking in this case at childhood sexual abuse, but at PTSD and war veterans. Okay. okay. Each veteran completed a marital satisfaction scale and a sexual dysfunction checklist for the study. And they found this. First, 
89% of PTSD veterans reported one or several kinds of sexual dysfunction. And that number just shocked me. Yeah, 89%. 89%. Wow. Among all the sexual dysfunctions, decreased libido and decreased sexual arousal, which is a result of decreased libido to some extent, were the most common problems. Okay. 682 and 61.8%. Also, 41.8% of our subjects experience premature ejaculation. And I, I don't know why that's particularly an issue, but that's a high number. Yeah. 22.7% of them are averse to sexual relations, like a quarter of them almost. Uh-huh. So this isn't anything to do with some kind of sexual history. It's not like it was child uh, sexual yeah. abuse or anything. It's just trauma. Yeah. In the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just because it's taking over the mind? like it. I'm not entirely sure. Huh. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I know that I wasn't expecting to see this significant of an impact in marriage. And it just goes to show how serious the trauma really is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That you can have something happen in a battlefield 5,000 miles away. You come home where everything should be good and in Mm -hmm. bed, things are not functioning as expected because of those traumatic experiences, right? But it just, taken together, these two studies show us that it's extremely common for different kinds of trauma to impact both men and women's experience of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And of course, like what? I was just going to say like, you know, a soldier goes off to war and he comes home and you think, wow, he did his thing. Good job. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But then you don't think about Mm -hmm. the rest of his life Mm -hmm. and how the trauma impacts Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, this kind of also really renewed my appreciation for the sacrifices that our servicemen make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And they come back and they're facing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, like sexual dysfunction, male or female can be embarrassing. And often yeah. brings feelings of deep shame, right? It's difficult to talk about. It can leave people wondering, like, well, what's wrong with me? Hmm. It's hard to walk into a doctor's office and say, I can't get an erection or to say, my husband can't get his penis inside me. Yeah, that would be a little right? awkward. Yeah. That's really personal. Yeah. But the good news is that if you're experiencing these issues, number one, you're not alone. And number two, that there are corrective things that can be done. And so I hope I hope there's, there's comfort in this because it's extremely common as we're seeing for trauma to impact an individual's sexuality. Mm-hmm. So it's just sexual difficulty is just such a common response to these traumatic experiences, but there are ways forward. So let's talk about those. Okay. And we want to talk about working on your marriage generally and then addressing your sexual relationship directly. So we, we touched a little bit on the general marriage thing, probably in our previous episode, but I want to just kind of highlight a couple other things here. If you think about trauma, it takes a couple of forms, right? In the context of childhood sexual abuse, it's a violation of human connection. So I would look at that. Okay. And as we saw last week, a healthy marriage provides a a beautiful corrective experience for this Mm -hmm. because it can tell you, hey, there can be a safe place of connection Connection. that doesn't get, where there's no, nothing violated. In the context of PTSD from veterans, you're looking at trauma that comes as a result of feeling profoundly overwhelmed and in great distress with no real safe haven to retreat to. And again, a healthy marriage can provide a corrective experience for that too. Wow. It can be a safe harbor. Yep. So these researchers came to the conclusion that individuals should engage in marriage counseling with the goal to reduce marital dissatisfaction or to improve your marital satisfaction. <laughs> yes. Okay. So their belief was that if the quality of the marriage improves, there would be a corresponding recovery from sexual problems and disorders. If you can make your marriage a happier, safer, more comforting place, the sexual stuff will come back online by itself. Oh, okay. Is what they are okay. suggesting. Yeah. And and in many cases, that probably is most of what's needed. Yeah. And I know even like when I do marriage therapy, often the couples that come in in great distress, there really is no sex life or they don't like what they're experiencing, right? And 
I really work on the quality of the marriage and it kind of comes out as we near yeah. and that, that the sexual part has revived itself naturally with the emotional re-engagement hmm. of the couple. Okay. Now, for these researchers though, in particular, when it comes to males with PTSD, they noted that there was a significant relation between sexual dysfunction and violence and anger. I'm quoting here, violence and anger reduce relations between husband and wife and hence reduce libido. So okay. they're saying if we can work on the violence and anger, then we're already moving towards improving the sexual relationship. And what this means is that everything in the previous episode on how trauma impacts marriage relationships applies here. All of the tools that were discussed to improve a relationship in the midst of trauma or the impacts of trauma, it can be applied for the ultimate good of the sexual relationship. So really okay. just underscoring like, yeah, let's take care of the marriage itself. In general. Yes. So that's okay. the first step is address the overall quality of your marriage if, if you want to see healing in this area. Now, let's talk about the sexual part of the relationship directly, Verlinda. And here, again, we've created a bonus worksheet that you can print and complete. It's available exclusively to our much appreciated supporters. This worksheet helps you lay out step-by-step -step safe touch exercises, which we'll be discussing after the break. It's something you can complete together and then go through together to help you restore and renew this part of your marriage. If you're not yet a supporter, you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day -day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were about to discuss married sexuality specifically in the context of trauma. So addressing the relationship, the sexual part directly, Verlinda, mm -hmm. like we said, general marriage counseling can get you going in the right direction. Yeah. If... You're new to the podcast, by the way. I am a marriage counselor. I'd be glad to help you. Of course, if you're from a state that doesn't allow qualified therapists from outside the state to practice with residents of your state, then I would only be able to offer you marriage coaching. Hmm, but interesting. please do reach out for help if I can help you. In any case, I want to follow a literature review study that we referred to near the start of today's episode and look at what it had to say about treatment for survivors of sexual abuse. So based on their literature review, here are five ways you can improve your sexual relationship when one or both of you has experienced sexual dysfunction due to past trauma. Okay. Okay. First of all, were you going to say something? I was just thinking like, is this only for people who have experienced trauma or is this going to improve anybody's sexual relationship? There's different kinds of, or there may be different reasons why you're experiencing sexual distress. If you are experiencing sexual distress and you're not certain that trauma is part of it, these oh. other exercises will certainly help you. Oh, okay. Okay. For sure. So these help generally, but this did come from a study that was looking at trauma and sexuality. Okay. Particularly. Yeah. Okay. The first thing they recommend is to understand what your partner is going through when you're having sex, which really makes sense if you think about it, right? 
As the non-traumatized partner, it's important for you to understand what's going on in your spouse's mind when you're sexually intimate. What is he or she experiencing? Like you don't often think to check in with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So don't assume that you know what they're thinking or that you understand what's going on. Like let's let's just get curious here. Yeah. And so one study found that sexually abused women report abuse flashbacks during sex. Now you can see how that's gonna kill an intimate moment, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Or dissociative experiences during sex. So it's like out of body or she's like just totally internally disconnecting. That's an old protective mechanism now working in a situation where she doesn't need protection. But because it's tied so strongly to sex, it's coming back on an involuntary basis. Yeah. Also reported distress, shame, and guilt about responding sexually and aversion to specific sexual activities. Okay. So... Become aware of what your spouse is experiencing. Use good communication about what's triggering them, about when they kind of derail or go off or dissociate or whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Like really try to understand those moments and find out too, like what do you guys do together that's okay, that doesn't bother them. So find your safe places, your safe sexual scripts that you can go through. And so this is just like conversations, maybe about areas that we don't normally talk about a lot, but really understanding what your, your spouse is going through when you're having sex. Okay. The second part is you want to become equal partners in finding solutions. So again, these researchers stated that it is not uncommon for the abused partner to accept blame for any sexual problems in the relationship. Hmm. So it's all this one person's fault. Yeah. And what this is saying- think it is. Yeah. That person thinks it's their fault. Yeah, that's the perception. What this is saying is now work on becoming equal partners and finding solutions. So both of you become willing kind of co-participants in this because it's an issue for both of you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Neither one of you asked to be a trauma survivor. Nobody signed up for that. No. So the fact that just one of you has trauma does not need to mean that the same person is responsible to do all the fixing. Hmm. So this is about us, not you and me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, remember, marriage is a healing environment. That means that this is a marriage issue, not just your problem. It's a challenge in the marriage. Okay. And that means that both of you can move forward in finding solutions as equals. Okay. So what I'm hoping this will do, because just imagine that every time that we went to have sex, you felt like you were going to be the bad guy. Yeah. That you were going to do something to mess it up. Well, already okay. you're at a disadvantage for enjoying it, for being present, engaged, um, right? So okay. by sharing this and agreeing, hey, we're both going to do this together, mm-hmm. it's now it creates an equal footing and it's more collaborative. Like it just shifts the landscape of how you're approaching your intimacy. Okay. And then that was the second one. The third thing you can do is work on or engage in non-sexual safe touch exercises. So what are those? So before engaging in sexual intimacy, it can be important to engage in non-sexual touching to develop and reinforce the marriage as a place of safety. And the worksheet available to our patrons, it'll help you with this part. But this is a game where the researchers are recommending engaging in safe touch exercises that help the spouses learn touch and communication and boundaries by even things as simple as caressing hands. And it can be extended to other forms of caring, safe, non-sexual touch. So Let me just give you an example of this from a story that I was told during school. Okay. Counselor, she wanted to pray with this couple that she'd been working with. And she said, can I just stand and and pray over you? And her style was to put her hands on the heads of the people as they prayed. Yeah. Well, he freaked out and he was a victim of childhood sexual abuse or survivor, I should say. Yeah. And part of how his abuser like initiated or dealt with him was he put his hand on this guy's head. And Uh I don't want to paint any more of a picture than that. Yeah. So... That was not a safe, non-sexual touch. Oh, okay. So there may be ways that you're um, unknowingly touching your spouse 
that are non-sexual, but are also not safe for her because they're they're triggers. Yes. That's where we're going with this. Okay. So what are the ways that you guys can touch that are safe? Can I hold your hand? Can I put like, can we do more side hugs? You know, some kinds of hugs might work, some might not. Like it's, this is so independent or um, individual. Individual. Yeah. But it's really finding these things and engaging them. So you begin to have safe, enjoyable touch. Enjoyable in in the sense of non-sexual. Okay. 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 And then the next one is to engage in mutually agreed upon sexual touching, intimate touching. Mm -hmm. So once you've established the safe non-sexual touch, you can continue to move forward. So you as a couple can move into more intimate touching and this becomes at a speed or at a pace that feels safe and comfortable to the survivor. So the goal of moving slowly is that it begins to build positive associations to sex and to sexual feelings. Are there ways that you can be caressed? Okay. Held that are, they're definitely past the non-sexual stage. They're more towards intimate yeah. and sexual, but you can start to build these positive links where, and this is where you as the uh, non-abuse person, you're going to proceed very slowly here, never pushing, always ensuring that your spouse has the time and opportunity to experience sexual desire, to come into sexual curiosity and to come into sexual pleasure in a way that feels safe and doesn't trigger a traumatic response. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why you need to have talked about it and find out what those yes um, triggers are yeah, yeah. Okay. and now you're you're kind of modifying the ways that you come toward each other and come to each other mm-hmm. so that you know even though you have no intent to do anything abusive that you're not mimicking an abusive mm-hmm. experience from mm-hmm. the past okay right yeah and then the final part of this is developing a unique sexual style that works for your relationship so this has to be comfortable for both of you and functional but it's going to require all of this kind of together now. So this is a great deal of communication, a willingness to engage in sexuality in new ways that work for you guys. Mm-hmm. So it's acknowledging what's happened, but finding ways that still allow you guys to create your own style together. And if you stop and think about this, what you're now doing is what we encourage all couples to do, which is to find ways to creatively grow and explore your sex life. Mm-hmm. So going back to my question, like all of these things are good for any couple. I mean, you might not need yeah. to do... To look at the safe touching because you might not have any non-safe touching, but even to develop your relationship and understand what your partner's going through. Yeah. 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 But this is where, I mean, I mean, Verlinda, we have to consider the safe part. Okay. Yeah. So you think about a couple that have never experienced any kind of sexual abuse or trauma, okay, Mm -hmm. of this nature. If, If the husband jumps on top of the wife and kind of uses his legs to pull her legs apart to begin to make love. Mm hmm she might be like, you know, come on tiger, like let's do this, right? Mm-hmm. But if if you now take another couple that do exactly the same thing physically, but for her she's been raped. Mm-hmm. And he's just forced Terrifying. her legs apart. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? So then now we we're having a conversation about okay, how can how can we initiate and move towards sex in a way that feels safe where I I am not in any way taking you back to that experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it might be stopping at the time and saying, reassuring what just happened for you. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hurt you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is being understanding that, okay, that might have just derailed the whole thing here and not getting mad at you, blaming you. Right. Okay. So this is something that might happen, like the conversations might need to happen in the moment. It's not like we can sit down in the afternoon and get these all figured out and. Oh, yeah. No, 
I'm maybe both. a little bit of both. You guys might listen to the podcast and have a conversation, but you know, something might come up and all of a sudden that's a triggered flashback memory that you weren't aware of before. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for another conversation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I think the, the cool thing is, is yeah, this means there's more work for you guys. Maybe you could put it that way. Yeah. But I mean, everybody has work in their marriage, mm-hmm. right? In different departments. In different areas. Yeah, areas. And, and again, just think of this as something that you can do together to make your marriage a safe place, to make it a healing place. And mm-hmm. you get to be a partner in this journey. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty profound thing. Yeah. So just remember though, that in all of this, that this is progressive. Take your time, go slow, be patient with yourselves, be patient with each other. And what you're doing here is you're engaging in a process that takes this theoretical idea that marriage can be a healing place. And you're figuring out how to, how to make it actually function like that on a day-to-day basis in the bedroom and in the rest of your time together too. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. Now we recorded this for Linda right after we recorded 129, just because we had the opportunity to do so. So we don't have any new patrons to acknowledge, but we want to acknowledge our patrons that we do appreciate all of you that are supporting us. Actually, as of our next episode, Verlinda 2, we're taking the bonus content up another notch to make these resources even more helpful and impactful in our marriages. So... That's neat. Your support on a monthly basis makes this possible. Like our our team is part of that effort as well. And that, Mm -hmm. of course, requires resources on our part. And so we definitely appreciate those of you that are helping us out in this way. Yes, very much so. And we also want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left reviews on iTunes since we recorded since previously. (laughs) Um, This is from... Got kind of stuck there, hey? Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't write it out for me. My bad. From Mammy Chula. From the U.S. says, binge listening. Great information. Found this looking for marriage podcast and was elated to find out it was Christian based and went back and started to listen from podcast one and I'm in the 60s. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope that wasn't all in one day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I love the interviews information, but especially Caleb and Verlinda's honesty that they aren't perfect and are still working on the issues they are teaching us. Well, you well certainly Verlinda's not perfect. <laughs> no, that was my line. <laughs> <laughs> that you're not perfect? Okay. No, that you aren't. Oh. So next week, Caleb, (laughs) moving on. Next week, we're talking about what to do when you just discovered your husband's porn habit. Mm -hmm. So turn the wraps up. For today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 130. That's slash 130. Find out how you can help support marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.